What is your greatest desire? What is the greatest desire of your heart? Have you named it yet? Can you name it? Can you list, tell your spouse, tell your children what the greatest personal desire of your own life is? Now, I know some of you are saying right now, I desire for this homily to end. I can tell already. (laughs) I know. But everyone, I think it's vitally important for us, not just as human beings, but certainly as Christian disciples, to be able to articulate or name what our greatest desire is. I'm not asking you what is it supposed to be. I think we know that. I'm not asking you to tell me what you think it should be. But right now, at this point in your life, what is the greatest desire of your heart? Now, the reason I propose that question is because desires change, don't they? Especially over time, and they evolve. And it's different for each one of us. If you think of an infant, a newborn, who wakes up in the middle of the night or starts crying, what do mom and dad try to do? They try to stop the crying, provide for the needs. What does the child want? What do they desire? Who knows? Could be food, could be a nap, could be whatever. But the parents try to figure it out. They try to figure out what does my child want? What is their desire? For little kids, especially this time of year, right? We want stuff or at least little kids do. We want toys. We want things. I was shopping here a few days ago, and I walked by a mom and her little one, and the mom said, no, Christmas is only three weeks away. You can't buy it. You can't have it. Maybe for Christmas. Then I went down to Shields, and I walked by a husband and wife, And the wife was saying to her husband, no, (laughs) you can't have it. Maybe for Christmas, it's only three weeks away. You know, as we get a bit older than in middle school, maybe into high school, we don't care so much about stuff, maybe a little bit still, gadgets and things like that. But once again, our desires evolve. Maybe now our desire is to be included, to be acknowledged, to be part of a friend group, to not be left out. Think how many middle school kids' hearts are broken when they don't get invited to something. They're not included in something. We get older, we really don't care, right? We say, good, I'm glad I wasn't invited. One less thing to do. But not when you're 13, 14, 15. That's their desire. When we get into high school and even into college, our eyes are open to the world of pleasure. Whether it's through drink or sins of lust, all of a sudden now, people want pleasure. And we know what happens when that pleasure becomes an idol, when it becomes a god, what happens? A certain dependency is formed a certain conviction that I can't live without this pleasure, whatever it is, 
and that's simply untrue. But that's the desire, isn't it? Desires of pleasure. We get into our 20s, into our 30s, we want a good education, we want a good career, we want maybe a spouse, we want stability in life, we want that job. That's our desire, right? We start having families. We want stability at home. Maybe in our career, we want that promotion. Why am I always looked over? Why am I not selected? Why does that guy seem to climb but not me? We want that raise. We worry about financial stability. We want the dream home at the age of 25 when it took our parents most of their career to live in that dream home, right? Millennials, I know, that's how we are. Those are our desires. Maybe when we're in our 30s and 40s then, within that career, we want to be respected. We want to be thought well of. We want to be held in esteem by others. We want to be praised. We want to be acknowledged, don't we? That's what we desire. And at some point along the line, maybe into retirement, we want peace in our homes and our families. Maybe some of us want our kids to come back to church. We want family harmony that seemed to disappear after mom or dad died. Our desires change is the point. And then we start to get worried. Will I have enough? Who will take care of me? Will there be anyone? The point is, everyone, from the beginning to the end, desires are constantly there from birth to death. But can you name what your greatest desire is? Now, I don't want to sound like a psychologist because I'm not. But let me propose this question. Is the desire for God present in your life right now? Now, you know it's supposed to be. I'm a priest. I'm supposed to say those things. But I'm honestly asking, do I have a desire to be in relationship with God? Do I desire personal holiness? Do I desire to be a disciple who has met, met the risen Christ and is fed by him and is nourished by him in sacrament and word, who has now been sent? Do I desire to be a saint? Do I desire holiness? Everyone, I know that for many of us, we have moments in life where we want to increase our faithfulness, where we want to be more devoted. And so you'll ask maybe a priest or you'll ask somebody, maybe a spouse, how do I do that? How do I increase holiness? How do I increase in the spiritual life? How do we become a more committed disciple? And do you know what the number one answer people like me offer is? And it's a poor answer. We'll try harder. Give it more effort. Nah, bad answer. Where does Jesus pull his disciples in and say, hey guys, here's the plan. I want you to try harder. Where does Jesus say that? Nowhere. So the remedy to increasing in holiness, everyone, is not trying harder. 
then what is it, you might ask? It's desire. It's wanting it. It's wanting to increase in the spiritual life. It's wanting to increase in my identity as a beloved son or daughter of God. It's having the desire. The best example for this I can think of comes, thankfully not from me, but from St. Augustine. St. Augustine uses an example that's a bit kind of strange for us here in the 21st century. He's 4th century, remember. But the example he used is of a person going to the market, right? We really don't go to the market much anymore. But a person going to the market to buy, I don't know, beans or grain or some type of food or some type of commodity. And when you go to the market, you typically have some type of carrier, something to carry back the goods in. And oftentimes it was a hide. Think of an animal hide, putting food in there, putting it on your back, maybe on a stick like Pinocchio. St. Augustine said that when people would go to the market to buy a commodity and they would take their hide with them, if they knew they needed more food, if they knew they wanted more, do you know what they would do first with the hide? They would stretch it. They would expand its capacity to receive the good they're trying to buy. And then they would do it. That, everyone, is the great example I'm holding up for us in terms of holy desire. Wanting God more, simply wanting him more, is like stretching the hide, which then increases our capacity to receive God. Everyone, it is one of the most basic spiritual principles out there. By increasing our capacity for God, by stretching our desire, we can then receive more of him. If you're sitting there right now saying, Father, I have about this much desire for God. I'm here because of my wife or my husband or my mom or my dad or because it's the right thing to do. Again, not enough. If you have no desire for God, and I know there's times where all of us struggle with that, the most simple thing we can do in faith is to say, Jesus, increase my desire. Why do I spend so much time on this this morning? Isn't that the point of Advent? Making more room for God? Increasing our capacity to receive him? Isn't that what John the Baptist did in the gospel? Prepared the way for the Lord? The way we prepare for God to come this Christmas is by making sure that we have a desire for him. May our desire for him increase May it be stretched so that we may receive Christ born in Bethlehem in a capacity we didn't even know possible. May we as a parish and as Catholic faithful beg Jesus, beg him everyone to increase our desire for God.